welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Let me pray for us as we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Well, if you are a kid this morning, I want to hear from you. I have a question for you. Uh, Have you guys given much thought to what you would enjoy doing when you grow up? What are some of the things? What do you guys want to do when you grow up? What was it? An art teacher. That's a great... Yeah, what else, Misha? That's an excellent choice. I see a lot of art, a lot of building, a lot of creativity in this group. A policeman. A policeman. Excellent. That's right. That makes sense. Well, these are great things to want to do when we grow up. When I was growing up, when I was a kid, what I wanted to do was to be a major league baseball player. And I'm a priest, so that's pretty close, right? Um, When we're young, we we choose the thing that we want to do because we find a lot of joy in doing it, right? We don't choose something to do that we're not going to like. The money, the power, the influence, those things don't really factor in when we're little. We just really enjoy doing the thing. And I wanted to play baseball, not because of fame or notoriety, but because I really like baseball, And some of you may have wanted to be an astronaut because you really like space. You really like studying planets, seeing the solar systems, taking your telescope out. Some of you might want to be an engineer, mechanic, builder. Because you just find pleasure in doing those things. And then something happens eventually as we start to grow up. And I think it's only amplified by the fact that we live in a culture uh, where, where being an influencer is a big thing, where getting attention is so amplified. Uh, we can become enamored with greatness, greatness, and visions of fame and popularity. And when that happens, it can get so bad that we actually forget why that activity was so fun in the first place. That striving for greatness is endemic to humanity. It's not unique to our time, uh, but it's been a very human thing for forever. Um, and that striving for greatness, when we do that, we start to tell ourselves and we start to believe and we start to build habits around uh, ideas that were reinforcing a sense of our own importance and our own longing to be great. Being that kind of great and longing to be that kind of great is an exhausting life of comparison with other people. We end up trying to make ourselves look better than others, or we make up reasons of shame of why we're not as good as other people. It's not a bad thing to be great, right? But, but the ascription of greatness, being ascribed as great, shouldn't come from ourselves. And, and it shouldn't even be our aspiration necessarily, We have a calendar of great people in the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, We commemorate saints who are really great saints. 
Uh, and we're going to discuss that again. I mentioned the formation group. We're going to talk about what they call the sanctoral calendar in the Book of Common Prayer. This the calendar of saints that we remember for being really great examples of people who followed Jesus, and we remember on certain days. But keep in mind, they didn't place themselves on a saint calendar. Uh, that was a decision of the church later, uh, in a later time, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The greatness in the kingdom of God, it's proportionately related to our ability to embrace the cross of Jesus. So last week we looked at this passage before the one that we read today in St. Mark's Gospel. And we learned about the power and about the compassion of Jesus. When we struggle to trust his power, we should at least trust his compassion. Because he, he did this miracle where he cast out the demon that the disciples struggled to cast out. And then the passage this morning, it follows the pattern that we find in the Gospel of St. Mark. This is the second time in the Gospel that there's a cycle of Jesus predicting his own death. Then the disciples having a failure. And then there's an instruction about what the nature of discipleship is. It's the second time we have this cycle. And we're going to look this morning at the nature of following Jesus. First, following Jesus... It begins with the death and resurrection of Jesus at its foundation. Second, following Jesus means that we seek to serve all people. And third, following Jesus means that we welcome the presence of Jesus in other people, regardless of their perceived significance to us. So as we develop in following Jesus, we're going to understand better how God defines greatness in his kingdom. Let's look first at the foundation of discipleship. Jesus' death and resurrection. He says in verses 30 through 32 that the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They're going to kill him. And when he's killed after three days, he will rise. And then it says the disciples didn't understand. And that they were afraid to ask him. And I, I don't think that that means that they didn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. If you had asked them what words he just said, they probably could have repeated them back to you. That wasn't the issue. What the issue was is they knew what Jesus was saying. But what Jesus was saying was so far outside the scope of what they expected messianic leadership to look like. That they could not accept the things that Jesus was saying. Was he speaking a parable? I mean, surely he couldn't, he couldn't have meant that godly leadership as the Messiah meant death, could he? Jesus' crucifixion was not a failed mission. And Jesus' crucifixion was part of the mission. It was a necessary part. It was even maybe the center of the mission. And the, if the cross was part of the mission, then what it does is it revolutionizes the nature of great leadership as a follower of Jesus. If Jesus had come in order to establish an earthly reign without the cross, then power would equate to dominance and influence. Right? So if Jesus had come and he had established earthly power without the cross, power would just equate to dominance and it would equate to influence. Love, though, love, though, is at the heart of kingdom ethics. It was God's design before the foundation of the world that Christ's death and resurrection would be at the very heart of God and humanity's victory. And what that means is that love and service to others is at the heart of Christian greatness in God's kingdom. 
Just by way of a, a simple example of this, I like to delineate between showing hospitality to people and entertaining people. Um, they make that distinction in the book we read over the summer uh, called The Art of Neighboring. Showing hospitality focuses us in on inviting others in and welcoming them with the love of Jesus. Whereas entertaining people doesn't have to, but can often feel like focusing our attention on the external experiences that people are going to have around us. How nice the plates are, how nice the food is, the wine is, the jokes, the conversation. Uh, And and those aren't all bad things. Um, But when people leave our house, I hope they don't just say, well, that was a really nice experience. When people leave our house, I hope what they come away with is that they have felt welcomed, they have felt loved, they have felt known. That's hospitality. It takes intentionality. Intentionality to focus in on other people and and not ourselves or how we're perceived, which is to focus in on our own greatness. So embracing the cross means that sometimes we have to allow people to see our vulnerabilities It means that there are times in life that are going to be challenging and that those things are actually God's will for us. They are part of the plan. It also means that those challenging places can be the very spaces that we need to be shaped into the followers of Jesus because the cross is central. People who want you to think that they are great do not want to show you their vulnerabilities or their weaknesses. If people want you to know how great they are. It's really tough for them to show you their weaknesses. But in our weakness, that's where God's grace is made perfect. So we're a people, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, who don't shy away from admitting our flaws. And may this be true of the church, not just here, but more broadly. The disciples couldn't accept that reality that Jesus was talking about. That Jesus' leadership actually meant his crucifixion. Because their concept of greatness had been so clouded by worldly definitions of what messianic leadership should look like. Instead, Christian discipleship, it begins with the cross and greatness in God's kingdom has to be proportionately related to our ability to embrace the cross of Jesus. First, we looked at how following Christ begins with his death and his resurrection. The second way we follow Jesus is by serving others. So they get to Capernaum. And then they enter a house there where Jesus asked them this question. What were you discussing on the way? (laughs) And you can imagine the shame. The disciples are completely silent because they knew that they were arguing with one another about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And I can imagine that scenario. Picture it with me. They're walking along the road. And, you know, Peter says something like, you know, Jesus and I have been really tight. So when he becomes king... And he overthrows Rome. He's going to need some good administrators. Uh, You know, I should probably take the largest portion since we're the closest. He probably trusts me the most. Judas chimes in. He's going to need someone to handle the money. I can I can do that. Treasury. I've got that. And then, you know, somebody else, Simon the Zealot says, I think I can do this military thing. I'll be in charge of the military. So these little these this this little band of unimportant men are trying to feel important and they're trying to give significance to their work in their conception of what the new kingdom is going to look like. There is within all of us a God-given drive to be impactful or at the very least to have our labor be meaningful. And that is a really good thing. There is this God-given joy in meaningful labor. 
So the question is how we define impact and how we define meaning in our labor. Do we want to be remembered by others for the great things that we've done and the status that we've reached? And does that somehow drive our decision making? That's to search for greatness in human terms. Remember Jesus. Jesus wasn't born in the most elite part of religious society. His disciples weren't that great from a human level. They weren't well-connected leaders. And he didn't always go to the most strategic places to have great influence. He was out in the countrysides. And those to whom he ministered were really not that great. So strategically, it, it wasn't a search for greatness. Jesus instead, he's like this physician. He's like a, a doctor going around healing people who are ill and who are hurting. And that's not necessarily the most strategic way to overthrow systems of political, economic, and military oppression that you find in his day. But that's the example that's given to the disciples. He sits them down and he says, you know, if anybody would first be first, he has to become the servant of all. And what I like about that is that it gives us a really helpful measure by which we measure growth as disciples. We don't count the large scale programmings we might do. Uh, we don't uh, as a measure of success. But instead, when we think about discipleship, we look one person at a time, one household at a time. We seek to love and serve our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors with the love and the healing of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's not that glamorous. Sometimes it means spending a little extra money on a nice meal to extend an invitation to others to come to our table. Sometimes it means giving up part of a weekend or, or draining your gas tank to go drive to somebody. Uh, there is a place for strategy, but the strategy isn't about our notoriety. When we look at scripture, it's about God's name being praised to the ends of the earth. It begins with a death. Death to the things that make us feel important, that make us feel noticed by other people. And then it's focused on the transformation of ourselves. Excuse me. And then and the transformation of individuals that God brings us into contact with. So even, even when somebody else feels important, we're supposed to uh, seek those who may feel the most unimportant to us. So first... We saw how following Jesus begins with his death and resurrection. Second, we've seen that following Jesus means seeking to serve all people regardless of their notoriety. Finally, following Christ means that we welcome the presence of Jesus in other people. Jesus finds somebody that, by all accounts, is unimportant. He takes a child. And he takes that child and he sets that child before them and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not just me, but him who sent me. There isn't really anything that this child offers these disciples that moves the needle forward on their greatness before other people. And yet this child typifies the kind of focus that our ministry needs to have in the kingdom. In, in the book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Peter Scazzaro says this, we join Jesus in being impressed by and in awe of people the world considers unimpressive. Let me read that again. We join Jesus in being impressed by and in awe of people the world considers unimpressive. So think of yourselves 
as hospital chaplains for the world rather than revival preachers drawing the crowds in. Think of yourselves as hospital chaplains for the world, not like revival preachers drawing in the masses. And never underestimate the power of your dining room table or a long walk with another person in in the work of transformation and kingdom work. When the cross is our focus, what it does is it takes the attention off of the great things that we want to do for God. And it places it on those small deeds of service that we offer to others who fully bear God's image. And so we need to be asking ourselves if our plans or our ambitions are for God's glory or desire for our greatness. This passage really does refer to serving children. Um, But it also speaks more. It speaks in a greater way to serve anybody who bears God's image, even when we don't seemingly receive any benefit from them. And that's one of the reasons that I like You'll hear me talk about the parish model for the church. It's one of the reasons I love the parish model. If we were building a more attractional church, we would highlight the greatness of the preacher, the music, the people that are there and their influence, the programs. We would try to draw in more great and influential people to do great things for God. Um, But the parish, the parish model focuses us differently. It focuses in on loving an area And the neighborhoods that you and I live in. And so, when we're scattered during the week, I know that we live all over the place, right? And so, we can think of Springfield, Franconia, Kingstown, Fairfax Station, Lorton, Burke, Arlington, Falls Church, Alexandria, Mount Vernon. You know, people are all over the place during the week where they live and where they work. But being a parish church means that you can cultivate a parish mindset. And seeing those who live and work near you. Having that mindset invites us to go beyond the people who are just like us to those who might otherwise feel insignificant to us. They need Jesus too. And you and I have been placed in the neighborhoods we've been placed in to be his presence to them, to welcome them with his love, and to serve them because they fully bear God's image. And that requires us focusing on love and service rather than our own greatness and influence. So what we take away this morning is that greatness in the kingdom of God is always, always, always proportionately related to our ability to embrace the cross of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, in whom we trust, strengthen us not to regard overmuch who is for us or who is against us, but to see to it that we be with you in everything that we do. Amen.